You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out to your ancestral helping spirits and to mine. I call out to the spirits of all of those people who lived well, who died well, and bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our lives, those who carry that legacy that we might learn from those who have gone before us then we might come to understand the larger ramifications of certain actions and choose to do things differently and where necessary choose to do them precisely the same and may we have the wisdom and the discernment to understand the difference we call out to these ancestral helping spirits to gather around us here today to help the living to do what must be done now in our own time so that all that is where it needs to be for those who are coming and we ask these ancestors to stand with us to give us the courage to change where things need to change, to sacrifice where things need to be sacrificed, and to create where things must be created so that we can become the ancestors that our very own descendants will be honored to call on. So with these ancestors gathering around us, let us reach through these humans in the dreaming to a dream much older, to those ancestors of life that were here long before there were ever humans. And we call out to these non-human ancestors to help us to remember our own true nature, to help us to remember how to bring the power of the human heart to bear in the world in a way that is good for all living things. We call out to these energies and natures to help us to remember how to be honest, how to be true, how to be simple, and how to find our place once again as part of this great web of life and to fill that place in the web with great beauty. And we call out to these ancestral helping spirits to be with us as well. And as all of the helping spirits gather around us here today, let us gather ourselves from wherever we might be, draw our awareness into our head, from our head to our heart, our heart down to our belly, and from our belly, let's take a moment and touch the earth and give gratitude for this day. No matter what it has in store for you, whatever it's already delivered, just give gratitude for the simple fact of being alive. Gratitude for the beauty in life, the wonder, and the diversity. And gratitude for the generosity in this dreaming. That as long as we are breathing, we can still change. We can still heal we can still find the shape-shifting that must happen to bring reconciliation and possibly even peace. And with our gratitude flowing out to the earth, as we move our energy down through all the layers of the earth, let us reach for the very, very center of the earth and reach into these energies that are at their very essence, dark and still and silent. And tune into these energies that are that source of nourishment that comes before all of the abundance that we experience here on life, all of the diversity, all of life in its many forms. We tune into that energy that is before, that which renews and restores and replenishes, that place from which we all draw. We call up to this energy, reach deeply in it and begin to draw it up, drawing these energies up into our day, up into these proceedings, up into our life. We call up the earth energy and we ask it to help us to understand how to be better grounded in our own bodies and to ground our bodies here on earth. And in doing so, to come to understand where we stand and what we stand for and to build a sense of home and family on what has heart and meaning in our lives and to do so in a way that is open to the other so that those who are different than we are might join us and provoke us through their other ways of thinking from their new ideas from their other experience that they might provoke us into understanding ourselves differently and understanding the otherness within ourselves and in that way may we all become better humans and so 
May these energies of the earth help us to understand connection and interconnection, connection within ourself, connection with our environment, connection with each other, connection across boundaries, and connection with the invisible world. And with that wisdom of connection, may we have a moment in each day. We may, may we be blessed in each day by this moment of sensing ourselves in this great web of life, to fe- feeling our place in that oneness. And may we take right relationship with ourselves from that moment. And let us continue to draw the earth's energy up through our body, from our belly to our heart, our heart to our mind, and up and out and into the sky. And whatever weather the sky holds for you, move out through it, through the atmosphere, out into the cosmos, and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know that energy, however you conceive of it, however you relate to it, to relate, to connect, to see yourself in it and it in you, and to begin to draw this energy down, all these radiant energies from above, drawing them down into your head, into your day, into these proceedings. We call in the energy of blessing in this way. We call in the energy of protection. We call in devotion and commitment and the great benevolence of this universe. We draw these energies in, moving them into our body and down through our body and sending them to the earth. We call in inspiration and illumination and the beneficence of this universe. We call in the wisdom of the cosmos. We draw it all in, letting it pour in through our body, down our grounding cord to the earth. And in this way, we open ourselves to be that place that connects heaven and earth, that draws these two energies together within us in this big love that is the connection of these two great legendary lovers within us. And may that big love awaken the spirit of our own heart. And within that heart, may that crucible of transformation awaken that calls up the fiery passions of the belly and calls down the crystal clarity of the mind and brings them together in the heart in a way that they can move together. And that in that movement, in that dynamic tension of two very, very different energies, may that create the third and most essential thing for each one of us to come to remember, to know, to feel, to sense, whatever it is. However we do it, may we come to understand why we are here. And may we find the courage in our heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts, the expression of why we are here, out into the world and share them with others. And for all the spirit help that we have in precisely this endeavor, I give great, great gratitude. May what needs to be said be said here today. May what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I'd like to thank especially Jeffrey, Bell, Faye, Richard, Sarah, Anne, Madeline, and Teresa. All These are all listeners who have donated financially to the show. This show is listener-supported. There are many bills that need to get paid every month to keep the show out there on the Internet and free for those who can access the Internet. And there are almost 350 hours in the archives. And um, I want to thank those of you that are able to help me make this happen. For without your donations, I would not be able to do that. I'm also grateful for those of you that engage with what you hear on the show, that wrestle with it, that journey about it, that bring these ideas into your lives. Let me know what happens. Let me know what doesn't happen. Come up with even better ideas. Um, new show ideas and and questions that come from being people that are endeavoring to be shamanic people in our contemporary times. And so I'm deeply grateful for all that you do and the way that you spread the word and connect with others and allow this, this sense uh, to grow. Not that my particular teachings need to grow, but more that the more we reach out and speak and connect about what we are doing, the less alone everyone feels in the doing of it. Because you know as well as I do, people all over the world are doing it, trying, wondering. And this is a way that we all can connect. So I'm grateful for all of you, for all that you are doing to invest in the work, to share the work, um, to be the work. Thank you all. We are live today, so if you have questions about today's topic, you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or simply email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. If you'd like to comment about the shows, you can go to the show Facebook page and 
comment about the different shows. Let us know what show you're commenting on, or it seems a little random. Um, and if you want to contact me, contact me through Last Mass Center website. Um, Facebook is not I, – I don't check my messages there a lot, and there's a lot – piling up from radio show questions and things and I don't always see them um, so just email me directly at christina at lastmaskcenter.org okay so today we're in the beginning of November here um, in the northern hemisphere we're in the fall See, and, and the end of October is always an interesting time here in the United States um, there are many 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 versions of Samhain celebrated um, by many different groups that connect with that uh, celebration and ritual at this time of year. Um, There's larger and larger celebrations of El Día de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead, which is traditionally celebrated in Mexico and other parts of Central or South America. And this is in particular um, a celebration of the relationship with the dead. Um, And more and more people are celebrating this in the United States. And then there's this odd phenomenon in America which is this endless font of creativity inspired by Halloween uh, and it, 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 it brings out creativity in people that are otherwise um, fairly disinterested in things and creativity um, there's something about the costumes and the candy and scaring yourself and scaring others that <laughs> really inspires Americans it's, it's a it's a interesting crazy all over the place time here and this is the time of course in terms of the greater energies the real energies behind the scenes um, when the veils between the worlds are naturally thin and it is a time that the connection between the living and the dead is made easier for everyone so in some cultures um the the living move into intimate relationship with their ancestors at this time um as in um the day of the day of the dead celebration and yet in other cultures the living move into intimate relationship um it, it don't move into intimate relationship with the dead instead they pretend they are dead or or at least that something dead is scaring them they get in this relationship with ghosts basically versus a relationship with their ancestors and in and in this other way of being in this time when the veils are thin people are basically moving into relationship with the dead that are cast as being spooky and scary and things to run away from so it's a it's um it's a big robust energy all over the place kind of time here in america um and of course here in the united states the dominant culture denies death it doesn't just fear death it it actually denies it um and with this comes this utter lack of preparedness um, not only to tend death well uh, but with that comes an inability to grieve a lack of valuing grieving but with that also um, a lack of skill in grieving and then an enormous amount of sort of range from fear to judgment around actually grieving and and what it looks like when someone is grieving um so there's other shows in the archives about death about tending the dead about working with our ancestral helping spirits um working with ghosts so that they can become ancestral helping spirits etc today i would like to focus just on grief and grieving which is something we haven't I don't think we have a show on in the archives. Um, so the ancestral teachings of white America draw largely from the, the array, the variety of Christian religions and the teachings within those religions that a virtuous person does not openly grieve, even in private. And so not only are we just not grieving you know sort of denying death and not grieving and thus not cultivating skills for grieving and not even supporting grieving culturally but we're actually judging people who do grieve as somehow not being virtuous um and and this is a deep underlying problem in in the general everyday americans lack of the ability to grieve even if there is some cultural support in grieving from their own um 
non-European ancestry, let's say, that there is no broader cultural support in America. And like I said, it, it, grieving can look pretty crazy and it's pretty much judged as such. But, but more than that, that in these traditions, these religious traditions, those who grieve are considered not virtuous. And, and this is um, deeply problematic because not grieving the losses of life is one of the most common reasons the dead are not able to clear out of the land of living when they die. It is one of the most common reasons an otherwise decently lived life still ends up with the person being stuck here is because they have not grieved their losses in life. Their heart, in a sense, is still hung up in that um, stuck place. And not grieving, so not grieving the losses in your life creates ghosts and sad ghosts, very sad ghosts trapped in unexpressed grief. And that becomes a burden on the living. So the, the, the problem, you know, is even deeper than that, that for the living, uh, is that not grieving the losses of life stops the natural cycles of the heart. To, to grieve what we love, the, to grieve the loss of what we love is natural. It's a natural cycle of movement through emotion in the heart. And to not do that stops the natural life cycle in the heart. Losing what we love is the cause of feelings of grief. So to, to shut down that missing the person and 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 then grieving over it and keening and wailing over the the brokenheartedness of losing this person to stop the heart's ability to grieve is to stop the heart and when we stop the heart we grow shallow in life and so there's a, a recently published book by Martine Prechtel called The Smell of Rain on Dust and it's about grief and praise. And in this, Martine states that grief is what living beings experience when what or whom they love dies or disappears. Grief is not what people feel when they lose what they want or lose what they want to happen or when they don't get what they think they deserve. That is only disappointment. And so what what we want to talk about is grief. And so Prechtel continues in his book. It's an, it's an interesting book. And, and, and as with all of Martine's book, the storytelling in it is, is brilliant and rich and, and juicy with life. And it's beautiful in that regard. And so here are some of the things that, that Martine says in this book about grief, that grief is natural. As I said, it is as natural as eating and sleeping and peeing and pooping. In a sense, it is a way that the heart actually releases emotional emotions that have become toxic so that we can transform our loving relationship with someone who is present here with us into the kind of love that we have for those who are no longer here or for a dream that is no longer here. Um, I had an enormous dream in my life to be a professional dancer and I moved in and out of that dream a couple times in my life and now as a as an older woman who dance certainly plays a role a very different kind of role in my shamanic work but that dream of dancing that was born as a young child watching Balanchine's work um, it was a really passionate fiery dream and and that the 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 loss of that had to be grieved for me to be able to bring a, an intimate wholehearted presence to the work the life that I have now which is not being a professional dancer and people can say oh well you still dance in your work but that's not the same thing and it's almost a disrespectful thing to say but but in a culture that doesn't understand grief that is the kind of thing that we say we try to make it okay. And um, grief doesn't want to be made okay. Grief needs to be felt, needs to be danced, needs to be sung, needs to be expressed. So Martine uh, also says that grief is necessary. 
When there is real loss, grieving should never be avoided or postponed. Grieving is absolutely necessary. Without grief, the world would cease to renew itself. Because, of course, without grief, the individual ceases to renew his or herself. So Martine says grief is not a preference. For choosing not to grieve when grief is there is to defer and burden someone else with having to do your grieving. And this is exactly what I experience doing the ancestral healing work. Um, And as Martine says, to defer and burden someone else with having to do your grieving, this makes the world a sick place. And I could not agree more wholeheartedly. Necessary grief, when shunned or unattended, can easily hide for years, even generations, in the skeletal structure of the family collective psyche. Grief will eventually manifest even among those in the future who did not consciously experience the loss. And I can absolutely attest for this reality. For this is, as I said, not grieving is one of the main reasons the ancestral lines are clogged up with a bunch of dead ghosts hanging around. And that allowing the grieving to occur is part of what allows the energies to move on and lifts the burden off the living to to grieve this deferred grief of their ancestors when they don't even know what the actual issue was. So Prechtel continues, grief is not sorrow. Though there are certain stages of grieving that are sorrow-filled, real grieving refuses to remain in sorrow. Grief is a phenomenon that must be purposefully done. And grieving takes many forms. Grief is active. Grief is movement, not stagnation. Real grieving never wallows. Grief is not depression. A griever is not depressed. Depression comes from not being able to grieve, which converts our losses into violence. So when we're there's a, there's a lot in Martine's book about how when we do not grieve, um, that energy not only locks down in the heart, but it makes it that much easier for us to move then into violence as the obvious next step, even violence towards ourselves. So this is this is very important, um, deep issue grieving. There's so much of what we consider our social ills and such big social problems that much of it could be traced at its root to um, the dead not having grieved, so the burden of undone, deferred grief, um, not supporting grieving in the living, judging people who are grieving, and pathologizing people who need to grieve and convincing them that they're depressed instead of supporting them in grieving. So one really important and beautiful thing that Martin says in his book is that all real grief causes all to grieve. And finally, that grief is praise because it is the natural way the heart honors what it misses. And this is really what I see and want to speak to today is that the importance of grieving for the healthy uh, life of the heart. So, um, as I said, Martine's book is filled with all these beautiful stories, um, but there's one story that is both excruciatingly painful to read, but also funny because it's so American. Um, But basically... um, a man's mother has mother or grandmother has just died and he's asking Martine, you know, how do I actually appropriately grieve her in this family of very stoic Lutherans who aren't going to cotton to any of this crazy business, right? And Martine talks about how it's important to tell the story and he sort of lays out these steps for this man um, to, to feed the soul of the dead, that it's absolutely necessary to feed the soul of the dead. And I'm bringing this up because this parallels with um, the same teaching. So Martins, for those of you who don't know, his connection is with Mayan people um, in Guatemala. But 
my point is the aspects of this story are found in all the cultures that I have researched who still grieve well and tend the dead well. So, um, so we need to feed the soul of the dead because the dead needs energy to do what it's doing and now they're dead. So they need our grief. They need our energy, not as hungry spirits, but as the river that will convey them to where it is they need to go. Um, and uh, Martine says, then notify the ancestors, you know, those who are already there to receive the one who is coming. And then he says, keep the fire going gently and nonstop. Or if you can't have a fire, because of course this is America and you're in a church, you could have candles and keep the candles going. And the, then Martine says, the soul of the dead needs people to care, the souls of the dead need people to care about them out loud, but in such a way that the spirit doesn't linger. And much of what we do in our gnashing and wailing that does happen is to hold on to them and not want to let them go. But the important thing is to, to speak the stories and the songs and to be grieving in such a way that the dead are acknowledged, but also that they are, the spirit is not encouraged to linger. And that ultimately, this is the most important thing, the spirit needs to ride the story of his or her people's origin back to their spiritual origination place ancestrally. And so it's telling, so from his perspective, it's about telling the stories that are just, are this person and then the next and the next that goes all the way back. So she finds her way, he or she finds their way back to their people. And that um, Martine says, someone singing or speaking the story of their origins from the beginning all night long, from sundown to sunup another consistent theme in grieving um, and this is called paddling home um, in the Mayan tradition and so I think about this compared to um, I learned from Christiana Harrell uh, who lives in Finland a, a Finnish tradition of particular usually women that go to the homes of those who need to grieve and they open themselves up to spirit. They basically function as diviners to, to bring in the words, the pieces of stories, the songs, whatever needs to be brought in so that the people are provoked into grieving. The, the people who are bereaved. So the bereaved are provo provoked into grieving. And here you have this theme again of the songs, the stories needing to be told, the people needing to be um, – reminded and able to to speak to um you know so so the people begin to grieve they tell stories they laugh they sing but that the process of grieving is sort of poked and prodded and inspired and 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 driven deeper in a sense by the these strangers that come in and just open themselves to spirit and allow whatever comes through to keep the grieving process moving and then there's a similar uh, um, function in the Dagara funeral process that uh, I've talked about before where there's a process where the whole community is gathered and there's a xylophone musician and a singer. And the singer is the same thing. It's the same kind of diviner. And the musician and the singer are doing this divined um, uh, sound experience. So these aren't codified songs. That, that the whole thing is spontaneous and created precisely to bring the grieving out, particularly of the bereaved. But the whole community has a loss when someone dies. And so all the community is, is welcome in this, in this grieving, in this provocation of the grief this, and the skill of those who, who, who are gifted in these roles and the elders who contain these processes of witnessing, of acknowledging, of and encouraging the person to keep moving, to not get stuck on, a, on the idea of revenge or the idea of, oh my God, I'll never live without them or whatever that place that we go because the feeling is honest. It's real. It needs to be spoken. That, that place in the heart needs to be expressed and heard and witnessed. But most of it doesn't need to be acted on. It's just the heart completing this, this, all of the possibilities that were begun by that love. 
that love of a of a dream or a person of something that we've we've fallen in love with and we've devoted our heart energy to and there's always all of this possibility when that happens and then when it's suddenly gone and when it suddenly disappears or dies it's suddenly not an option the heart is you know stuck in this place of all of this possibility and the grieving is is each of those lines of possibility running themselves out needing to complete themselves so that they can be released and the heart can be renewed and made um, uh, available again to intimacy, to to connection. That the stuff that was there, that the heart was connected to, needs to be heard and seen and expressed and released. And this is absolutely essential for the heart to be well. It's the natural life cycle of the heart. And that it's possible when we don't grieve or, or when we freeze grief in its tracks, for whatever reason we do that, that when we freeze the grief, it turns into what Martine calls a toxic stone. And I love that metaphor because I see that toxic stone rolling over and filling that threshold in our heart between the sort of more public space of our heart and then that place of true intimacy. Because we grieve what we've loved, not just what we want, but what we've loved, the things that we've allowed into that room of true intimacy in our heart. And so this toxic stone to me, I see it as the stone that rolls over to that threshold and closes it. So we can't get to our intimacy and intimacy can't get to us. And this is that toxic stone of grief. And I have experienced needing to roll that stone out of the hearts of the dead again and again and again effectively in ancestral healing. It is so much uh, easier to do when you are living to not defer it onto the backs of others in the first place. But then you get to experience the benefit of the possibility of this heart renewed. And this is the thing that allows these dead that have been stuck here forever to finally cross over, is they experience for that moment that we are there with them as the living, giving some free will into the moment so they can see what could have been. They experience their heart renewed and what could have been. And in that renewed joy for life, they're happy finally or willing at least to let go and to move on. So it's critical that we learn as individuals and as families, ultimately as communities and even as countries, that tend to freeze grief either in cold stoicism, no matter how uh, religiously informed, it's still cold stoicism, or the hot revenge that tends to occur in our national and political thinking, or even just um, the Hatfields against the McCoys, the gang, gang type thinking. So it's important that we as individuals learn whether it's the cold stoicism or the hot revenge that makes this toxic stone. Um, we need to learn that the next thing that happens is life then becomes a shrine to someone's losses. And that stops the heart from its healthy life. And to stop the heart is to stop life or at least to stop a life that's worth living. We cannot afford to not grieve. It's too expensive for all of life. So to grieve, active, moving, messy, grieving allows the heart to thrash and feel wretched in the loss in the fact that life is not fair and that you cannot live without what has been lost, that you want revenge and then ultimately moving through the tears and the silence and the uncontrollable sobbing and the vacant stares for hours at nothing and all the many, many ways to grieve that we get to what we have lost and how much we love it and why we love it, what it feels like to love it. And we eventually arrive at the honoring of it, the honoring of what we loved, and the honoring of actually loving 
the heart needs us to go on that journey and to go on that journey for every loss. The heart must be allowed to feel all that it feels without rationalization or shame. The heart's movement down the river of grief has rapids and deep pools, shallow places that barely trickle and huge terrifying waterfalls that you're sure are going to kill you to go over. Whatever it is, it must move. We must allow ourselves that current and to be taken down our own river of grief, whatever it is, but we must not eddy out. We must not grow stagnant. We must not leave the river before it has deposited us back into the big ocean of the intimate place of our heart. The heart's movement down the river of grief must also be witnessed. We, we have to learn to do this alone because many of us are alone. But ideally, ideally, the heart's journey down that river must be witnessed. We may need to witness it ourselves, and that can be hard for many. But all we really need to do for each other is just bear witness. To be held by others who echo back, moved by the true grief, that they begin to grieve, to just be in it with us. All the hearts then begin to move together deeply, moved by the real grief. And we move into that place in the heart where meaning is made. And when we roll that toxic stone over that threshold, that threshold in that deep place of the heart where meaning is made, life stops being meaningful. So in other words, your life didn't stop being meaningful because so-and-so died. Your life stopped being meaningful because you did not grieve the death of so-and-so. That meant so much to your heart. And we need to get a grip on that distinction. So when we allow our grieving to take us there to renew our intimacy with what has meaning in life to go into that deep place in the heart where the meaning is made when we allow that journey in our newly raw heart we move even more deeply into that place of intimacy and in this way death renews and revitalizes life we remember why it matters to us to be alive intimately why it matters to each of us to be alive so how can we do this grief touches each of our lives so how could we meaning we us here who are contemporary people in a culture without any belief in grieving much less the skills to do so how could we begin not wait for the whole thing to get fixed how could we begin to work with grief in ritual to cleanse and restore the greater capacity of the heart to love to connect and to make meaning in our lives now keep in mind i did not ask my helping spirits for a funeral process that's not the point i asked for a ritual that would allow the radio show listeners to safely express and release their grief even if the grief is from decades ago even if it was your first pet when you were a child so I asked for a ritual a listener could do alone now this can be scaled up in case you're lucky enough to have people that would do this with you it can also be tailored by those who have the skills to be more focused and refined for you those of you who have helping spirits and can ask appropriate questions but what I asked for was a place to begin it can be this simple and still be effective that remember that grieving is natural. We all actually know exactly how to do it. And you will need several things first to set up your space for this, this beginning, where can we all begin grief ritual. So there are several things you need to get organized. So the first would be sound. That grief has a sound of its own. 
and that we, especially if we're standing there alone, we do the best when we're alone if we have accompaniment. Even if we don't have people with us, we do best if we have some kind of sound holding the space for us, some sound in the background. Um, it can be drumming. It can be something that you personally find appropriate as the background of this experience. But I would encourage you to have something set up that will simply run without um, interference for the duration of this ritual. So uh, put your playlist on shuffle or um, I just circle through the drumming and let it just keep going around and around and around through the tracks of the drumming to hold the space. It would be best if you could do this ritual outside actually on the earth. But if you can't, understand the whole ritual and then improvise, figure out how to do it, where you are. It would be best if you can have an actual fire. But once again, if you can't, you can improvise and you can always work with candles, for example. It would be best if the business end of the ritual really began around dusk so you can think of timing. But again, it can work any time of the day or night. You will need a libation that will communicate your gratitude to the earth, your personal gratitude to the earth. In my journey, I saw an oil, some kind of um, sesame oil or something like that, but that it had a fragrance of some essential oil in it. A libation is anything offered that is liquid. And so I asked about this in the journey and my helping spirits said it could be any libation that is meaningful to you, the one grieving, or to the deceased. And that you need a supply of that libation to have uh, at the earth part of this ritual. Um, that you'll need offerings for the fire. You'll need fresh flowers for the earth. And... Um, and then an assortment of items that will stir uh, the feelings um, for, for what you're grieving. Um, particularly if this is an old, long-standing, ungrieved loss, um, you may want pictures. You may want whatever it is that's going to provoke your memories and help you remember stories. Um, uh, dear objects. These are things that will, will go back into your life with you so you don't have to worry about losing them. They're really there in a sense as props to provoke your memory um, so that you can grieve. Um, let's see. You need um, to, and the place, wherever it is that you're going to do your ritual, um, you need to ask the place. You may need to walk around to find where you may dig your hole. And when you find that, um, you need to make offerings on the place and then break the earth in a, in a good way and dig your hole. Um, and then you're going to build a little hut over the hole so that the hole is completely covered, that, that you can reach in. It's now like a little earth bubble. You can reach in, but it's very dark inside the hole. I've seen this done many ways. One of the most uh, simple and beautiful was the sod that had been dug up to create the hole in the first place was used to cover the little hut part over it. I mean, it only, the hole only has to be big enough for you to reach your hand in and to, and to send energy into. But it does need to be like this little open bubble of the earth. Um, and then you need to place your fire somewhere sort of across the space from the hole, but easy enough for you to move between the hole that you've created in the earth and the fire. So your fire in this ritual is home. It's not the mover of the energy. It's the mover of the story, of the life, of the love. It's there to support your heart really. So it's the home. It's the spark of life of the living in this ritual. And you place your um, offerings there for the fire, the flowers ultimately that will come at the end of the ritual, um, your items that are, are reminding you of what you're grieving. You want to keep those on your person for the moment. Um, okay. So then once you've got everything set up, then you need to take steps to awaken your relationship with the sacredness of the space. And you do this with your respect of the space and the sincerity in both your intention and your actions. 
Now, of course, those of you that um, know how to create sacred space in your own shamanic practices, you would do this however you know how to do this. But again, I asked for a ritual that someone who knows nothing has heard this raid. This is the only why shamanism now show that they've ever heard could actually do this. So this is the absolute simple bare bones. So after you've got your space prepared, you need to go prepare yourself. You may want to do, you may want to bathe, you may want to change clothes into all white, you may want to chase clothes into all red, you may want to be in black, I mean you may want to dress for the occasion. You, um, whatever feels right for you to prepare to do this grieving. I mean you may want to be naked and body paint, I don't care what you want to do, but the point is that you prepare yourself. And then you have your items with you. And then you enter your ritual space. You could process around. It doesn't matter what you do. It kind of depends on the space that you have. But anyway, you enter your ritual space. You call in the spirits that will contain your space. So if you have no relationship with helping spirits, you could just call in the four directions above and below, earth and sky. And that would contain your space in a sphere. And then you and your earth and fire um, elements um, are the center of what is happening so after you've called in the spirits that contain your space whomever they might be um, then you make offerings to the fire and call in your own ancestral helping spirits and even if you are unaware of your ancestral helping spirits we all have them we all have them back far enough in our ancestral line and so when you're at the fire you can simply speak to them and um, as you speak to them and, and call out to them and ask for their help in this grieving work that you need to do, then you would place your items around the fire. You might even ask specifically, you know, I need to grieve this um, childhood friend who died when I was seven. I need to grieve this. I need to grieve that and have place your little items there at the fire. Um, so you'll have them there to hold on to, to, to touch, to cry on, to yell at, whatever it is that you're going to do. Um, and then you call out to Grandfather Fire itself and make offerings to the fire. You introduce yourself. You state your intention as to why you've called the Grandfather to be present. And you ask for help. And with each of these, the introductions, with the intention, with the asking for help, you're placing offerings into the fire. And treat the fire as the most ancient ancestor from the very, very beginning of the dreaming. So the fire is a being in this case, as is the earth. Okay. So speaking of the earth, then you would turn your back to the fire. So you might stand if you're not standing at that moment with your fire at your back because that's your home. That's the spark of life place. And you look to the, this dark hole in the earth and you call out to the element of the earth to be with you here today um, to help you to release in a good way. You call out to the earth as a being to be with you here today and to help you. You introduce yourself. You state your intention. You ask for the wisdom of the earth to help you because you want to remember what your heart already knows. You want to be freed of the prison in your mind and let your heart take you down the river of grief. And you're asking the earth and our deep, intimate uh, place here on earth uh, to guide us back to this natural thing that we know how to do and you need to ask for help now at this point I would most likely be on my knees asking for help because this is usually what this kind of work does for me is it puts me on my knees and there's nothing wrong with that and so you ask for help to release you ask for help to move that toxic stone that's now clogging the life of your heart you ask for help to find that threshold of deep meaning in your heart to help you to live again. And when you're done asking for help from the earth, the final calling in is you call in death to stand with you and to help you today. To let what needs to die fully die and grieve it so that your heart can live again. And then you begin the business of the ritual, the actual grieving. And this is a messy kind of iterative process. 
So you're going to begin to tell stories of what you loved, maybe the stories of the actual loss and how it really felt and speak of what you miss. You know, whatever, it doesn't matter where you begin. The important thing is to begin to speak, to be maybe to sing a favorite song, maybe to sing a lullaby that dear beloved grandmother you've never grieved used to sing to you at night that made you feel safe. Whatever it is, and you work your way back through the stories and the songs, and when the grieving really begins to move your heart, when you begin uh, to feel more emotion than you can shape into words, move to the earth and grieve into the earth you can still sing you can still try to speak but the important thing is it's kind of like vomiting up the emotion out of the heart but basically you're grieving into that hole and you're allowing the energy to come out and release to let it go into the hole when it subsides and it will especially it takes a while to get going when it subsides you throw a ladle of the libations into the hole and you go back to the fire and you begin again And so you return to the fire, maybe select another item, begin different stories. Remember, you're speaking to your ancestors when you're there at the fire. You are speaking at least to grandfather fire. You are not alone and your stories are being witnessed. You may want to start with pets. Pets are somewhat easier. The relationships are less complex, not any less rich or loving. They're just less complex. And sometimes it's simpler for the heart to grieve um, a relationship that it has a greater ease in it. Um, but let the complexity of the people come out as well in this speaking that, that you didn't love every single bit of this person that you loved. And maybe you're really angry about certain things. All of that is part of the grieving Um, It doesn't have to make sense. It certainly doesn't have to sound politically correct. And it doesn't even need to be right. It's just what's there that needs to be expressed. Now, if you have more than one person, then around the fire, the people may be sometimes witnessing another, sometimes speaking. That it's a messy, um, changing back and forth role kind of process. But remember, real grief from one person is going to move everybody else into real grief as well. And so there's going to be this constant moving, telling, moving back and forth between the fire and the earth and the fire and the earth. Eventually, there will be no more grieving. It will all have been moved into the earth. When, when this is done, when, when, it, when you are done or everyone who is there is done and everyone is exhausted and pooped, then you gather at the earth and offer a song to the earth. And this offering is your gratitude to the earth. And when everyone has offered their songs or you're done singing to the earth, you fill the hole with flowers. They can also be fruits, spices, but you fill the hole with that which makes life beautiful that which makes life worth living and whatever it is it can even be beautiful colored autumn leaves but the point is that you fill it with these life beauties and then collapse the hut to close the opening and ideally you would then cover it and just sort of restore it to what it was prior and and cover it with your gratitude and then you would move to the fire and touch each object Because what you want to decide is whether any of those objects you brought to remember what you're grieving need to be released into the fire as well. You don't have to do it with all of them, but you, you just need to check. And so then you would sing a song of gratitude to the fire, making offerings to the fire, gratitude to the ancestral helping spirits, offerings to the ancestral helping spirits, and gratitude to all that you called in. You know, and fire offerings are the obvious, you know, tobacco, um, different, different dried plants, herbs, fragrant woods, um, uh, different alcohols, chocolate, spices, you know, anything. And don't worry about it. Pick one thing if that part's freaking you out. Just pick one thing and don't worry. Just trust. So when you've given gratitude to the fire to the ancestors and to all the energies that you've called in then you bow out so if you're alone you need to think about how do I need to close this and now if you're with people 
you may decide how do you all need to close this do you need to sing a song in unison together do you need to feast together do you need a, a great feast do you need a simple breaking fast kind of sharing do you need to be alone i don't know you need to decide what the close is that that is again up to you So grief is all about the life of the heart. It takes courage to grieve. Courage and the willingness to open our mouths to the sounds, to the songs, to the stories, to the keening and the thrashing, to the weeping. And this is all part of the life of the heart. Your heart needs you to grieve your losses. You know, some of our losses aren't people it's more dreams it's um, things that we have loved and so you may need to tease apart if we think of the loss of a marriage for example to divorce uh, not death then you need to decide did you have a dream of marriage that you cast that spouse in and that you can tease them apart grieve the loss of that particular spouse and all that was um good about that but renew your dream of relationship or did you meet that person and the dream of relationship really grew together because in that case you need to grieve that dream as well and it's important to let not only the people go but the dreams that are no longer possible as I said earlier like dancing dancing professionally as a ballerina is a short lived dream and not many get it And you have to let it go if that's been your dream. It's the same thing with relationship. And by marriage, I also mean any kind of long-term committed relationship. I don't mean to just relegate this to marriage as being the only long-term relationships that count. Now, with the death of a spouse, the dream of the relationship must be fully grieved. Um, And it's important to remember that that the life with that person and the death have both changed you. So you are, you're right, you are never going to have that relationship again. Not because life is so unfair and you've lost the person, but because you're not that person anymore either. And so part of grieving after the death of a spouse is about uh, releasing that of what was from the heart so you can open to that intimate place again with yourself and begin to dream again. What is it that the person you are now is actually dreaming of in terms of relationship and to let the dream, the dreaming begin to unfold and to take time to do that. Grieving the death of a child is excruciating not only is there grieving of the most searing um, pain but there's also a need usually to do soul retrieval work and for many people they find they can't grieve until they've done the soul retrieval work around the death of a child or for the child the death of a parent Um, but it's important to remember as you grieve the loss of your child that your dream for that child was not the child's dream for themselves. It was your dream for the child. And you need to grieve that as well. That there are people and there are dreams we have for those people. And we need to remember that both matter when we are grieving. But that grief itself has a great compassion in it. It comes and goes. It tailors itself to each heart. Each heart has its own river of grief. Um, Each heart that experiences a loss or a bereavement, and each loss or bereavement one heart experiences are different. And that grief takes its time. It never forces us to do it all right now. Because if it did, our poor hearts would surely explode. That there is a grace in grief. That it allows us time. But it is important that we not hide in that. 
because grief has a profound importance to the health of the heart. It shows us where we have made a heart connection, even when we didn't mean to, even when we didn't know that we had. It shows us where we gave too much, and it shows us where we regret not really having shown up. That to grieve fully is to grieve enough for the heart. To grieve fully is to grieve enough for the heart to cleanse itself, to complete what was suddenly rendered incomplete, but to complete those threads of heart longing, heart story, but to complete, to cleanse, to renew, and return to that deep place in the heart from which we make meaning so that we can return to the very serious business of intimacy with life. I give thanks to the ancestors for holding us so well. I give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and to the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy your week.